How is everyone after that? Yeah. Please. I'm a bit undone. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, Pop, Carl T, Kamish, and all the other guys up here. Man, I don't I, I really don't take for granted that you do what you do. And that your your skill set, your giftedness, that you're willing to offer it to worship our risen Savior. I mean, my gosh. Right? They usher us each week into this place of holy ground, man. I feel like I ought to kick my shoes off and throw them in the back corner and say, man, we are on holy ground. Right? And it's not just this time, gang. Here, let me, let me share with you. I get this cool opportunity all the time to tell people about you. You see, you walk through this door and, and you get it. And you get the fact that that this place is safe only because of the people that are sitting in the chairs. You know, I'll get asked this question a ton. What is refuge? And so this past week, I, you know, I shared this with the owner of Reveille Joe. By the way, kind of put January 18th on your radar screen. That's probably when we're going to launch the first Sunday night gig. Now remember, gang, just because we're launching on a Sunday night doesn't mean you have to go. You go where God's wanting you to go. The reason that we're doing that is so we can stretch our tent pegs, or yeah, our tent pegs out just a little bit, and try to capture some other folks that that dig Jesus. They just don't quite dig all the other stuff that goes along with it. Sometimes, I understand that. And so we're sitting and talking, and, and Matthew says. Uh, This was probably about our third conversation. He said, so what is refuge? And I said, bro, it's not a what. It's a who. And I'm looking at it. So you're the safe place. So as you live life with folks, they start to see that you're a safe person to come to when they're celebrating and when their lives are turned upside down and, and just everything that goes in that in the mix. So thank you. Man, for being safe places. So wherever you are, there is refuge. Right? So let's do this before we really crank up. Seems like there was something else I was needing to say. Oh, here it is. Housekeeping. <laughs> when we are done, because I think sometimes it, for me it's a buzzkiller at the very end when we come up and say, okay, we got to put the chairs up. It's, uh, I just hate that. So let me get this housekeeping stuff out of the way first so that when we finish tonight, we'll just kind of know what to do and then you just be let in it. All right, this room was set up with the risers in here. All right, so what that looks like for us tonight is everybody knows where the black chairs go, right? The blue chairs will be all the way in the back of the room and just stacks of four or five along that back wall. So all the men nodding with me, ladies that can move a chair, if you walked in the room, your family, so you're responsible to help us. We're not saying you don't get to do anything if it's your first time. Sonia, you get to help. <laughs> your family. And then we'll coach you up on how to put the risers up. So everybody good with that? Okay, cool. Uh, I need, before you get up and hug a neck, I need someone to find Isaiah 7, 14 and say, raise their hand and say they have it. And I'm going to call on you here in a second to read it. I need someone to pick Isaiah 7, 14, so let me know that you have it. You got it, Mike. Thank you. Uh, 
Yep, I'll hit you here in a second. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 through 5. Who wants that one? Micah. Sweet. And then Jeremiah 23, verse 5 through 6. Who has that one? Bruce raised... Who was Bruce? Yeah, 23, 5 through 6. Okay. So before we hit those, um, last thing, Deb mentioned the crazy eights. It's really cool to see that start trickling in. Here's, my, here's, here's the reason why we're doing it, is so that you'll become your own collection center. If Way of Hope don't trip you, man, don't do it. Because we got folks, doors of hope. It's wherever your passion is. That was the last thing I shared with Matthew. He said, what are you guys about? I said, whatever turns you on, man. <laughs> I said, Bibbo, I do not commit for the group. And I said, what happens on a Saturday night is that everybody goes out and see, I said, Matthew, I never have to tell you to commit to your passion. No one had to tell you to put this coffee shop up because it was in your DNA. No one ever has to tell you to wake up in the morning and go love on veterans. It's in your DNA. That's what we're empowering folks to do here. I said, but we do come back together on a Saturday and maybe now on a Sunday to get recharged with each other, to hug each other's neck and say, man, it's tough out there. <laughs> right? And so that's what we're going to do right now. So everybody get up, hug a neck, and then we'll get cranked up. <laughs> hug a neck. I have the lines in the, the ASV, and I don't have the... I have, I have the other ones, but it doesn't work. Right we well, just want to read it in that. That's cool. The ASV is like... Is it crazy weird. reading? It's crazy reading. All right, you want to read it from my Bible? Okay. Yeah. So it has a... Uh, I had Micah. The Micah one. Oh, the Micah? Yeah, I had Micah. Okay. Here you go. Do the dog at you? So you just want to read it up here with me? Yeah. I'll let you go first. How about that? All right. Alright, Delane, you want to pray for us? Awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> Lift us up. Thank you, thank you. All right, we're going to cue these verses up here in a second, but let me set the stage and how we're going to travel over the next month here. So we're meeting tonight, and the question that we're going to pose is, why Jesus? All right? And then so then next week, the 13th, we're going to be celebrating baptism, and that's going to be over at Real Life Community. And that's going to be a blast. And then, but we're going to ask the question of, why David? Why did... Why did, the, why did Jesus, why did the birth of our Savior and Messiah have to come through the line of King David? Why? And then the next week, and through, uh, we're going to meet Mary and Joseph. We're just going to meet them and see what they were all about when they met and, and find out why Mary and Joseph. And then on Christmas Eve over at Just Love, we're going to introduce you to Jesus, the baby, the Savior, the Messiah, the Redeemer. The Prince of Peace, the one who does and will empty out tombs and resides in us when we say yes. So, I thought the, the thing that we would start with tonight is just to kind of find out, how did Christmas ever get started? You ever wonder? I mean, you know, I, I shared before that I love the fact that I learned through a Taco Bell commercial that MAS means more. So I went, wow. Christ must. More Christ. Isn't that cool? We get our culture from a Taco Bell commercial. <laughs> I'm being educated through eating a Nacho Bell Grande. I'm going, I can dig more Christ. Yes, I'm in. But why? I don't know. And these are some of the things that we're not going to get hung up on, but some of the things that some people do is that, you know, some Folks, scholars, they kind of get hung up on when Christ was actually born. You know, depending on the Scripture with the sheep being in the fields, you know, it'll go anywhere on the calendar. Does it matter? He was born. <laughs> he was born. And so we're not going to get caught up in that. And so the thing is, is that what we can get caught up on is that how did this holiday of Christmas, of Christmas, come about? Well, it was about 330 years after the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. The ruler of Rome, Constantine, said, Christianity will be the religion of our country, of Rome. He said, I'm acknowledging Christianity. As a matter of fact, I'm acknowledging it so much. I want you to be the state religion. Okay? And so in that time, 
there's all these other different gods, there's these pagan gods, but the one in this particular time of year was called Saturnella. Saturnalia. Not the, not the planet, but an actual god. And it was in December, it was in this time frame that they would recognize this god and they would have this celebration. And gang, the celebration looks a lot like what we do today. It was festive. They hung evergreens. They, man, they partied like crazy. They gave gifts. And so what Constantine did, he said, I'm going to knock that one out and place Jesus in. And so that's how we started celebrating Christmas. Right? And even there's no real firm records on this, but a lot of people believe, and I believe it too, man, because of the way that the, our first century brothers and sisters lived life. The giving, the initial giving, was not done the way that we do today. It wasn't that we go out and we, you know, like what we've done here in our family. Deb says, hey gang, you've got this to spend. Make your list, check it twice, and we're going to order it internet. And man, UPS is delivering like crazy. But in this day, the giving was given to those who didn't have. The families would come together, they would know, and they would scan their, their community, and they would know that certain people within their group didn't have certain things. And so they came together as a family, and they went out and made sure they had it. Isn't that cool? And that, but, but gang, that's what you're doing. Now, I'm not doing it to the level of what we see in Acts, and we won't go there today when they were sticking for sale signs in their houses and selling it and bringing the money to the bucket. But you're doing this in a, in a level that makes people go, that's the reason for Christmas. Right? But why Christ? Why Jesus? Now that we've got that background. What I want us to do, what about the time when the prophets were talking? So who has Isaiah? I got it right here. Cue that one up. Let it rip. It says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Amen. Thank you. Who has Micah? Okay. Here you go. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephra, and only a small village among all the people of Judea, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored honored around the world, and he will be the source of all power. Amen. Source of peace. I love it. All right, who had Jeremiah? Yeah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, and I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely, do what is just and right in the land. Days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteous Savior. Wow. The Lord our righteous Savior. So place yourself 600, 700 years before Christ was ever even born, and these guys are coming out in the street and they're saying, Hey, a virgin will give birth. The day's coming. When someone from the line of David will be the righteous one. 
Do you think that anyone ever gave them a crazy look? Or two. <laughs> you know, especially, maybe sometimes we do that. You know, we'll say, hey. <laughs> really? Did you just hear that? They had a choice, didn't they? They could either believe that or not. And so isn't that like us? So still, why did they, why did Isaiah, Micah, and Jeremiah believe what God was speaking through them to the point where they spoke it out? That they were willing to forego friendships, relationships, family, to do what God was wooing through them. Why Jesus? Let's go back to the very start. Go back to Genesis. It's all the way on the left-hand side of your book, just right past the table of contents. And we're going to be in Genesis 3 just for a second. But what you're going to find in there is that what does Genesis even mean? It means that we're coming into something. It's the origin. Right? God is speaking and things are happening. He says for this to happen and it does. And then after it, He says this is good. Right? You remember that? We've all seen that a trillion times. And he gets to the point where he's created Adam and Eve has come out from his rib and so man, things are just going chipper dandy. Adam and Eve are in this communion with God. They're in the garden. And it has to be just amazing. It's got these four rivers that are running through it and I can just picture just this lusciousness running through it. Can't you? And then all of a sudden, God says, hey, look, it's yours. This is yours. And so even if we were to picture those candelabras back there as trees, and God says, look at this massiveness that you have, Adam and Eve, but there's only one thing I want you to do. That tree right there, the one of knowledge and good and evil, don't touch that one. Okay? That seems simple enough. Well, we know the story, don't we? They had a choice in that moment. And I've heard some people say that, that Adam and Eve at that moment thought that God was holding out on them. And so they took from the fruit, crunched down on it. And so we see right here in Genesis 3, let's kind of give it a replay starting in 21. It says, And the Lord... God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. This is after they've crunched on the fruit. Verse 23, So the Lord banished, means sent, sent away them from the Garden of Eden, and He sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord stationed mighty cherubim. Those are angelic beings, gang. They're like guards. They're warriors. They're not playing harps right here. <laughs> it's not that type of angel that's guarding what God does not want them back into. He places them to the east of the Garden of Eden and He placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of what? Life. Gang, He said you can eat from any and everything except one. Why didn't they choose the tree of life? We'll come back to that. You see, because I've heard that some people will say this, you know, they'll say, 
you know, when was the first place you saw grace? Well, for me, it's right here. You see, God did send them out. He's saying, look, you have this free will. You have choices to make. But in your choices, there are consequences to those choices. And this game looks different now. You see, I believe He showed them tremendous grace because He covered them. You know, if you were to read this, He's actually walking, He's he's in the garden and Adam and Eve are hiding. And He comes along and He says, Hey, where are you? He knew where they were. This is God. He knew where they were. He wanted to see what their response was. But I think deeper than that game, He wanted to see where they were spiritually. Because see, He covered them with skins to cover their nakedness. You ever felt that? You ever just... Let me give you an example. It just, it just happened Thursday for me. This past year, I've really been trying to place myself in, in groups of people that I don't normally hang out with. This is the season of open houses. You know, people are opening up their homes and organizations are opening up and saying, hey, come in and hang out with us. And So Branches had one. That was a blast. I knew everybody there. You know, it was like, oh, home week, just hugging up heads. But I had to go to another one, and I'm not even going to say the name because it's not their fault and where I was. You see, they had no idea this battle that was roaring inside Bivo. So I go in knowing, and I told, I've shared this with Jordan, I think, today, is I made myself go because number one, as I knew that I didn't know many people there, and I made myself go by myself because I didn't want to rely upon anyone else except God to cover me in my nakedness. You see, I got in that room, and man, I'll talk to that candelabra if he'll talk back to me. <laughs> and they were talking, but guess what I was getting? Oh, hey. You're who? Oh, okay. Hey, uh, you ever felt that? Gang, I was trying. I was trying to connect with any and everything. And it wasn't happening. Not in that room. Because see, there was all these other relationships that had started where their nakedness had already been covered. They were allowing God through their relationships to help cover their aloneness. And I'm sitting there, man, and I'm feeling like, crap, I guess I'll go eat something. Because that's what I do when I get nervous about something. Or I get anxious. Let me just go eat. I couldn't get out of the place fast enough. You ever felt that? You ever felt alone in that? So place yourself, look gang, place yourself with Adam and Eve. They have come from having this incredible relationship with God and it doesn't stop. You've got to hear that. Can you imagine the conversation when they got out of the gate? God places them right outside of the garden and they see this flaming sword back there and they're going, crap, man, he's serious. He means it. I can't. We can't go back in there, Eve. And you know the thing that we don't see Adam and Eve doing? They don't rip each other up. They're the only two people created, gang. <laughs> and look, go over four, the little kids. Don't look at this yet, mom and dad. Go look at look at what Adam and Eve. It's so us. 
they did what we do when crazy happens. We go medicate. And it's not necessarily medicating, but look at Genesis 4, verse 1. What'd they do? <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It's in the book. They got busy being one. They allowed God to cover their nakedness spiritually. They didn't turn each other into the enemy. They didn't turn themselves in that moment into the victim. There was that moment right beforehand, but in that moment, they knew they had to come together and start marching through. And we know that they multiplied and, and we, it's just great. Right? But why Jesus? You see, because if you remember, we were in Hebrews not too long ago. And Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. What did God do to cover Adam and Eve? He killed an animal. There was shedding of blood. It goes, Hebrews points back to Leviticus. And Leviticus points back to this moment when God says, look, I'm still going to take care of this. It feels raunchy right now for you, Adam and Eve. I know it does. But I'm going to take care of you and cover you in your nakedness. So why Jesus? I want us to go back into the garden just for a second as we start to close. You see, you remember the other tree? And we asked, why didn't they eat of that one? Well, we don't know that they didn't. We just know that they did eat of the one that God told them not to. And the thing I love about God is He is a God of detail and attention to what He wants to do and how He wants to do it. And so the thing is, in the same fashion, we get to choose. I want us to go back just for a second and look at the, at the verse where... You, you remember when God set the cherubim outside to guard? Look back at it and see what direction they were pointing. Did you hear that? Someone pull up Matthew... Chapter 2, verse 9. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. This is the wise man talking to Herod. Somebody, I'll read it. It says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen where? In the east. Guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. In the very beginning, God is pointing you to the east. That's our Savior. Here's what's even cooler. Is that He was guarding the way to the way of life. And He says, now I'm going to point you to the way of life. How did Christ refer to Himself? I am the what? From Genesis to the tomb to the resurrection, God is always pointing at Himself for grace and mercy and compassion and love and to empower you. 
He didn't empty a tomb for you to sit down. He emptied the tomb for us to live way out loud of the garden. So in that moment that when He covers our nakedness and we know that He does, you are cut loose. It did not stop Adam and Eve. Let's not let it stop us. Father, I pray that uh, we get this. I pray that we uh, understand that when we say yes to You, that we believe that through the naked baby Jesus, that He was born to cover our nakedness. And Father, it goes way deeper than a physical. We're not talking about that right now. Lord, we're talking about our spiritual nakedness that through You, that You clothe us, that You equip us, that You give us everything we need to live this life as You desire for us to live it. So Lord, we're going to get a chance to to gather around a table in remembrance of You. Because see, we already know that You were born. We already know that You lived. And we already know that You that you died, that You sacrificed, that You shed blood for us, Father. And we already know that You rose again. Father, so that we would never have to taste death and that we could live life abundantly wide open here in this moment. And so that's what we're doing when we participate in the, the Lord's Supper, the communion, the Eucharist, Your table. And we're telling the world that we know that You are who You say You are. And Father, that we are who You say we are. And that is redeemed and saved. So Father, we love You that You are our Prince of Peace. In Christ's name, Amen. We get anxious, we get impatient.